so glad we could all be together on this day. What an amazing thing. Jesus has overcome death, overcome hell, the grave, all evil and sin. He has overcome all of those in his resurrection. Amen? We celebrate that today. The beautiful, stunning message of the New Testament, however, is that not only has he accomplished that, but he invites us to know him and walk in that same power so that we would have the power over death, hell, the grave, all evil and sin and walk in that power. Wow. Now that is what the Apostle Paul meant in the New Testament when he wrote and said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That we might walk in that. That's what he wanted to know. That's how he wanted to live his life. And that is what we do as Jesus followers. We're not here just because we are following some dead religion. We're not here to try to earn bonus points with heaven. We are here because Jesus has paid the debt. Jesus has conquered death. And he is alive today. And he invites us to that same power. Now the sad thing is, a lot of even Christians don't walk in that power. They walk aware of the fact that the cross happened. That Jesus loves them. And that Jesus died for them. But the idea of walking in resurrection power is different. It's one thing to know your sins are forgiven, that you are loved. That's great. It's quite another to have a power so active in your life that it causes you to desire sin less. It causes you to have hope for tomorrow. It causes you to be able to walk through trials today. It causes you to be able to have confidence with God. That's resurrection power. Amen? And some people are stuck between the cross and the resurrection. They know the love and forgiveness, but they know very little of the certainty of the confidence and the power that's ours in Jesus Christ. Now, years ago, I had something happen to me that I thought pictured this. So I'm going to go backwards in time a little bit to back in the day when Heather and I are younger. Our kids are young. They're at home. So we don't have a whole lot of expendable income uh, because we're spending it on kids and, and life in, in general. We don't have a lot. And what we have, we try to be careful with. Now, it is also back in the day, and not everybody in this room will even remember this. Back when we used to write checks for everything. Hello. It seems like an eternity ago now, right? Before, there were debit cards that you could just swipe and use all the time. We wrote checks. We carried a billfold that had cash in it. And you had a checkbook that you wrote checks for. We went to the store. You wrote a check. And so what would happen back in that day, at least to me, was sometimes I would have my checkbook and I thought I had a certain amount of money in the bank because I balance my checkbook at the end of the month. Be glad you don't have to do that a whole lot anymore. You carry your debit cards. You can know in an instant how much money you got in the bank. All Back in the day, we didn't. You got the bank statement at the end of the month, and then you're living that next month praying that you had balanced your checkbook right, and that the amount of money that you had on your checkbook was really the amount of money that was in the bank. Hello? So then along came this great thing called ATM cards. This is before they were debit cards. They were ATM cards. So you could go to an ATM machine and get some cash 
And you could also go to the store and you could buy your groceries or items, whatever it was, using your ATM card. This is also back before you walked up and you just did it yourself. There was no swipe and entering your secret keypad and all that stuff. None of that. This is back when you handed over your debit or your ATM card to the cashier and you let them take care of the transaction. So now, all of that together led to some moments like this where Heather and I would go to the store We'd be buying some groceries and you get to the checkout line, you hand them your debit card, ATM card, and they would do their little business. And sometimes, because I hadn't balanced the checkbook properly or because a check hadn't gone through like I thought it was gonna go through, they would hand my card back to me and say, I'm sorry, sir, your card has been declined. It's a miserable feeling. You have all these groceries, whatever items you were going to buy, and you thought you had it in your account, and you did not. So anytime after that, during this season in our life, when we went to the store, I got nervous. Because we're buying stuff, we're loading up the cart, and I'm thinking I know how much money we've got in the bank, and we're making our way to the checkout stand, and I've been nervous the whole time. I've been so nervous that I'm second-guessing everything we've got in the buggy. I'm questioning Heather about it, wondering if we should have got that. Do we really have to get this? I'm getting short and snappy with her. It's not pleasant. The shopping experience is not a good one. And we get all the way to the front. And then it's like that moment where it just feels like time stops, you know, because they're doing boop, boop, boop. And then all of a sudden it's time to hand them the card. You pull out your billfold and you hand them the card and it's just like, it's like, oh man, what's going to happen? And they say, thank you. And then they start their little process, swiping. And you're just like, waiting. Am I going to hear good news or not? Am I going to hear, thank you very much, sir. Have a great day. Or am I going to hear, I'm sorry, sir. Your cart has been declined. It was a difficult thing going through the experience like that. But I think that pictures where a lot of Christians are today. They know there is an account in heaven. They know that Jesus died for them and loves them. But they don't know with confidence that they're going to go to heaven one day. They don't know with confidence that they actually have peace with God today. They don't know with confidence that he absolutely loves them and they don't know with confidence that he is absolutely working in their life for their good and as a result they live somewhere between the cross and the resurrection but we as believers are invited to pray just like the apostle Paul and say oh God I want to know I want to have confidence I want to have certainty I want to really, really know this in me. I want to know the power of the resurrection. I want to know the same power that raised Jesus from the dead in me today. I want to walk in that. I want to have victory over sin. I want to have victory over discouragement. I want to walk in all of the hope that there is in Jesus. I don't want to just play religious games. I don't want church just to be a Sunday deal for me. I want to walk in the power of the resurrection. Amen? Amen. I think that's what we want to do. Today we're going to talk about how we do that. How do we walk in that kind of power, that kind of confidence, 
How do we walk with that kind of certainty? Our message today is called Followers Embrace Resurrection. It's significant to us, not just on this day, but every day we live, because this is the cornerstone of our faith. The cross says that Jesus died for me. And when he did, and he was placed in, his body was placed into a tomb, the earth was silent. And the earth asked the question, was the payment enough? Did that pay for our sins? Is there the possibility of peace with God? Can I know in this life that I will be accepted into heaven? And on the third day, when Jesus rose from the dead and a miracle occurred, it was heaven's way of saying to us, yes, the payment was accepted. Yes, there is forgiveness. Yes, there can be peace with God through Jesus. It was heaven's miracle to stand forever historically and in reality that heaven accepted the payment. Amen? We do not have to live between the cross and the resurrection with uncertainty. We can live embracing the resurrection with certainty. So the Apostle Paul uh, writes in the New Testament and gives us a look at how we live this out in our life. But before I look at his passage, I want to show you a Bible reading for this week. If you want to take your phone out and take a picture of the screen, you're welcome to. Uh, our church walks through a passage of the scripture related to the message. And so here's a good Bible reading uh, program for you this week. These passages, all in the New Testament, talk about how we can live out this power of the resurrection in our life today. So if you're looking for a Bible reading program, this goes right along with this message today. We do that every week with our messages. It's also on our social media and in our church app. So let's look at Romans chapter six, because in Romans chapter six, the apostle Paul, who was a man who'd had a lot of failure in his life, a man who had tried to be good, but was really bad inside. He came to know Jesus. And then he wrote this in chapter six, verse 10 of his letter to the Romans. He says, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Jesus bore in his body our suffering. And he did it once. He didn't die multiple times. He didn't die in different generations, for different generations of people. He died once. And when he did, it was finished. And when he was resurrected, he went on from there to live his life to God, with God, assured, accepting his role as the son seated next to him in heaven. He went through the suffering once. He went through the darkness once. He went through the pain once. And then he moved on. Now, here's what Paul says next. Likewise, you also reckon or count yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The apostle Paul is saying, 
you and I, as believers in this day and time, can live in that same power. We can choose and recognize we have been died, we have death to sin, and we can be alive to God. We do not have to keep living under the temptation, power, and sway of sin in our life. We can move on and have our lives lived for God. Doesn't mean I'm going to live perfect, but I'm going to live more sin less than I did before. I'm going to live more hopeful than I did before. I'm going to walk in resurrection power. I'm going to walk in hope and truth. Amen? So how do you do that? How do we do that in this life? That's a great question. And so today, I encourage you to take your note page you received when you came in. You can open it up. It'll match on the screen here, and you can fill in the blanks because we're going to talk about what Jesus died to, what went in the grave, and what it is to walk in resurrection power. You're going to hear me say this several times today. I say it here a lot at Vertical. We are not here to just play some religious games. We are not here just fulfilling some religious duty. We are here to learn the words of life from Jesus and how to live out this faith that we have. Our entire church is built on this. We lift him up and we live him out. So we're all about learning how do we walk then in the power of the resurrection. Because I don't think anybody in this room says, man, I can't wait to get home and sin a whole bunch more. I want to make a wreck of my life. I really want to frustrate the people around me. I want to ruin my marriage. I want to, I want to ruin my kids for generations to come, right? No one's saying that in here. God forbid. I would think the fact that you're here, you're saying, I really want to know this life that Jesus has for me. I really want to know how to walk in it. I really want to have victory in it. Here's what the Bible says about what Jesus did for us. Here's what went into the grave. The first thing that went into the grave was guilt. Jesus came to remove guilt off of your and my conscience. Guilt is heavy. Guilt is debilitating. Guilt is that thing that we feel after we've done something that we know wasn't right. And all of a sudden, there's a weight on our conscience. There's a weight inside us. And when that weight is there, we all try to find something to get rid of that weight. We take something, we go to something, we call somebody to try to feel better because of the weight. We turn to a lot of strange stuff in this world to try to soothe our conscience because it's busy. Man, it's heavy, it's fast, and it's, it's moving. And if you're trying to look for the relief of your conscience in the substance of this world, you already know it's not working. No one ever said, you know, I turned to alcohol to try to get rid of the guilt that I had. I took one drink and I was done. I never had to have any ever again. My conscience was cleared. Hello? No one ever took a, a hit off of some marijuana or a vape pen and said, you know, one and I'm done. I feel a lot better. I don't need that ever again. No. No one ever turned to something addictive and said, you know, one time, that was enough. 
My whole life's better now. No one said that because that doesn't happen. You can't get rid of the guilt of your past and your failures by the substances of this world. You can't work it off enough. You can't go to church enough for it. You can't get sprinkled on by some religious leader. You can't get prayed for. You can't go through anything enough here in this life. The only way to get rid of that guilty conscience is through accepting the payment of Jesus for your sin. That'll free you. That will set you free. Jesus took guilt to the grave. Jesus also took anxiety to the grave. You know what anxiety is? I can speak on this because I have walked in it. Anxiety is fear of the unknown. It's fear of an unknown situation. It's fear of the future. It's fear I'm going to be found out. It's fear of what people are going to think about me. It's fear of anything that I can't control. Jesus took with him the anxiousness and the angst of the unknown. And he took it into the grave so that you and I might be rid of it. It's debilitating to have anxiety because you don't want to go anywhere. You don't want to talk to anybody. You don't want anyone to know what's going on in your life. You can't be open. You can't be honest. And it is tormenting. Jesus took the tormenting, debilitating spirit of anxiety and fear to the grave. Jesus also took defeat to the grave. You and I know defeat. You and I know what it's like to lose at temptation over and over again. You and I know what it's like to be a slave to racing thoughts, to negative thoughts. You and I know what it's like to be a slave to some addictive behavior. You and I know what it's like to be controlled by those and live in defeat. Jesus came to free us from that kind of defeat and he took it to the grave. Jesus also took emptiness to the grave. That unsettled, unanswered question that nags you inside. That thing that makes you feel like you don't have purpose, that you're not enough, that you can't be accepted, that you can't find fulfillment. All of that emptiness, Jesus took to the grave. Jesus took pain to the grave. He took the pain that you and I know. He took rejection. He took being mistreated. He took abuse. He took all of it and he took it to the grave. Jesus took darkness to the grave. The thoughts that trail off into dark paths in our own minds. The darkness that makes us look out into tomorrow and think, there ain't no way this gets any better. And he also took despair with him to the grave. He took that one thing that causes people to come to the place in their life where they say it would be better to not live than to live. Jesus came to free people from all of that because all of this is very real to us. This is the human experience. Amen? This is where we hurt. This is the reality of life. This is what people don't like to talk about, but this is what Jesus came for. 
Jesus said, I've come to set the captives of these things free. And so we asked this morning, well, how do I do that? How do you know freedom from these things? I don't want to play just religious games anymore. I want what we talk about here to have an impact here and out there. I'm glad you asked how we do that. Because we're going to talk about that. Because the power of the resurrection is where you find the life for this. It's where you find the strength for this. Paul wasn't playing when he said, I want to know. I need to know the power of the resurrection. So here is what it means to know the power of the resurrection if you're taking notes and following along. The first thing it means is this. You have confidence that you are forgiven. Jesus came to free you from the guilt. He paid the debt. He filled up your account with his righteousness so that you would never, ever have to wonder or question again, am I forgiven? Did he forgive me of that thing 15 years ago? Did he forgive me of that thing that no one else knew about but me? Is that still on my account? Will my card work at checkout? Jesus said, come to me and I will give you life and life abundant. Confess your sins and he will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness so that you might forever know you have been forgiven. There's some nasty rumors going around about what heaven's going to be like. Some people think and have heard a story that says, oh, when you get to heaven, there's going to be this pop question that God's going to ask you, man, you better be ready. Like, what is it? What's the question? How am I going to answer it? Oh my, I don't. And so people are nervous about going to heaven. But other people have said, Oh, when you get to heaven, there's going to be a giant movie screen that's going to play all your sins and you're going to have to sit there before everybody and watch it. Really? I'm not sure I want to go, right? Hello? Some people say, oh, when you get to heaven, you're going to have your sins all laid out and all the good things you've done laid out. And if, if you've done more good than bad, then he'll let you into heaven. Look here. All of that is bull. None of that is true. If you find that somewhere in the Bible, come tell me. Because Jesus says, if you come to me, I will in no wise cast you out. And when you're in me, no one can snatch you out of my hand. You are safe in me, you are secure in me, and you are forgiven in me. Now live with the confidence of that. Because when you live with the confidence of knowing that, that'll make you pick your head up. That'll make you walk upright. And not like this all the time, wondering, does God love me? Am I forgiven? Have I done enough? That's no power. That's weakness. Resurrection power also comes from knowing that I have confidence and I have peace with God. This like forgiveness, but peace is what comes from that. Peace means the war is over. Peace means I'm not having to ask questions anymore. Peace means I'm not having to struggle all the time to make sure I'm doing enough that he's still happy with me. Peace says, I know whom I have believed and he loves me. I have peace with him. Paul wrote in Romans 5 and he said, 
Therefore, having been justified by faith, in other words, declared right by believing, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's settled. I don't have to live in angst and anxiety and uncertainty. I can know with confidence, not because I've been good this past week, but because Jesus was good to me while I was a sinner and I believed in him. That is where your peace comes from. And when you are settled in that, when you're confident in that, gives you strength to walk in life. You don't have to walk around all snappy at everybody because you know you have peace with God. Because here's the deal. When you don't have peace with God, I already know what's happening. You don't have peace with anybody else. Your relationships are all tense. There's anger and bitterness and resentment because you don't have peace deep within. And Jesus invites us to peace greater than we could know. The third thing that resurrection power comes from is knowing that I can pray with confidence. Mm. You know, when the resurrection happened, it opened a way for us to have access to the throne. You and I don't have to go through some religious figure. You don't have to go through the Pope or the Cardinal or whoever else. You don't have to go through me You don't have to go through a friend. You don't have to go through the person you know that you think is more spiritual than you. You have direct access to God because Jesus made the way for that. You can walk boldly right up into the throne room of heaven and find strength to help in time of need because of the resurrection. And the resurrection gives us the power and the confidence to do that. To know that he wants me to tell him my needs. He wants me to pray. He wants to speak to me. He wants to show me what he has for me. He wants me to even have authority over evil in my life. To be able to pray against strongholds. Pull down strongholds. And have power when I pray. To speak to evil and call it out and shut it down. This is what we have in Jesus Christ. That's resurrection power. But if all you ever do is live knowing, well, I know Jesus loves me and Jesus died for me, your prayers will never amount to much more than, and God, I hope you're pleased with me. That's not confident. That's not purpose. That's not power. We are called to confidence in Jesus Christ. To be able to ask and know that he hears us and will answer us when we pray according to his will. Amen? Resurrection power gives us that kind of confidence. Resurrection power also gives us confidence that God is greater than the enemy. You know he is, right? This is not a battle between Satan and God, and we're going to wait and see how it pans out. We're not watching some football game. We're not watching a sporting event. We're talking about eternity, and we're talking about God who is victorious over all, and he proved it through his resurrection. Listen to me. The death of Jesus and the suffering of Jesus prove that what the enemy meant for evil, the worst, God meant for good. 
because the sufferings led to our salvation. And if God can take the worst and turn it into the best for Jesus, then he can take the worst event of your life and use it for his glory and your goodness in your life. It's great evidence of that, that he has power over the enemy. Let the resurrection be that reminder to you. There's no weapon formed against you that can prosper because greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. I can walk in that power. And the resurrection tells me that. The resurrection reminds me of that. And so I celebrate in this. But the resurrection, the power of the resurrection also does this. It gives me the confidence that I can change and overcome. I do not have to be a slave to my urges and appetites. Now, sadly, a lot of people do. And the message of the world today couldn't be louder. Whatever urge you've got, that is your identity. Run to it. The message of the gospel could not be further in opposition. The message of the gospel is you can be made a new person in Jesus Christ with a completely new set of desires, urges, and appetites. And you do not have to be a slave to your urges. You don't have to give in to those feelings. You don't have to give in to those thoughts. I don't care how real they feel or how much they make you feel delight in the moment. You do not have to be a slave to your sin. And the greatest evidence that someone believes in the resurrection is that they deny themselves and they follow Jesus. They say no to temptation. In fact, the greatest evidence that you really believe in the power of the resurrection is that you are different today than you used to be. If you really believe in this faith, if you really believe in Jesus and his power to change you, then your life will show it. You won't look today like you used to look when you were a teenager. You're thinking differently today. You see differently today. You relate differently today. You don't walk in the same hurts, depression, fears, sin, patterns, because you believe in the power of the resurrection. And you want to shout to the world around you? You want to shout to the powers of darkness that you believe in the resurrection? Then go right ahead and obey God and change. Just go ahead and change. Just obey and start looking more like Jesus. Go ahead and say no to that temptation. Go ahead and break that sin pattern. Go ahead and believe him by faith. Go ahead and believe a promise. Go ahead and change who you are. Go ahead and break those other sin habits you've got and walk forward in your faith and you'll shout to a, a world today, I believe in Jesus. But the opposite is also true. If you're not much different than you were as a teenager in your thinking, in your habits, in the way you relate, in the way you see life, if you're not much different than, than you were 10 years ago, five years ago, I would even say if you're not any different than you were a year ago, you're sending a message. You're sending a message that says, I'm not sure I hold to this power of resurrection anymore because I stopped changing. 
we are not those given to hopelessness. We are not those given to despair. We are not those who are stuck at the cross and have not moved on to the resurrection. We are those who see both, and we are those who cry out to live in the power of the resurrection today. Amen? I want to close with a passage of Scripture that shows us that power. This is Romans 8, verse 31. What shall we say to all these things then? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is our freedom. Child of God, you do not need to live in fear anymore. You do not need to live in the turmoil anymore. You do not have to run to the darkness anymore because Jesus has overcome. And that same resurrection power is available for us. Let us lean into it. Let us run to it. Let us obey him in it. And let us be those who walk as followers of Jesus in this day. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you that while we were sinners, while we were caught in our own sin, while we were without strength, you sent your son Jesus to die for us. And no power on earth, under the earth, over the earth could stop him. For three days later, after his sacrificial death, he rose from that grave. And he now lives to you, seated with you. I thank you that when we come to you, you give us that same power. That we will not be held forever in the grave. We will not have to walk through the uncertainty of torment. We will not have to live in fear of eternity. We do not have to live letting sin reign in us. We can let you reign because you are the resurrected one. So I ask you, Father, to help us this week. Live in this power. Live in this truth. Live in the power of the resurrection as your church and your people alive this day. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.